I do have some experience, I guess, in that way, taking care of things and doing some hard work, right? Getting out on a Saturday morning, especially in the summer in Phoenix, it's super hot, you're sweaty, and making sure that you do your chores before you go out and do something else fun. Just one real quick point here. Isn't it incredibly disappointing how small kale chips become once you actually dehydrate them? This side of paradise, welcome to Eden Revisited, the podcast that puts shovel to soil and cultivates those interior gardens for the reenchantment of culture. Join us as we get to the wonder by getting in the dirt and sowing the seeds of faith. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Eden Revisited. My name is Nick Paternos. I'm one of the co-hosts of the show and I'm joined by a couple of my best buddies, Tyler Popa and Austin Kleiss. We've been talking a lot about this podcast, guys, and here we are. We're sitting down for episode one. It's awesome that it's happening. The point of this podcast today really is for us to figure out why are we doing this? Why this podcast? I mean, when you think about it, there are so many Catholic podcasts out there. There's so much Catholic media. So why this one? Why us? And to get to the root of that question, I thought it would be best maybe to first start with our own history. How did we come together? How did we meet? So I'll start it off with Tyler. Tyler, why are we here? So three of us attended a great regional university in Spokane, Washington, Gonzaga University, go Zags. Uh, and we met in, uh, in various ways, but we had a lot in common. And we eventually all started working as RAs together. And it became very quick that we had uh, a different perspective on things in a sense. We were actually all business majors, which actually makes it kind of funny that we're, we're here today doing a podcast called Eden Revisited. But as we were eating meals and, and sharing time together, we weren't talking about recruiting for top firms. We were talking about big questions in life. And uh, oftentimes, it was questions about nature and like, where are we from? And why, what does this mean? And, and how do we integrate our lives better? So that that's my version of the story. And here we are five, six years later after college graduation, we're still talking about it. Austin, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. I would echo everything you said. And I think there's something also just special about kind of the fraternity we we all shared and kind of shared experiences bring out a lot of those questions, whether it's hikes or going to, you know, sharing classes or just hanging out, eating food together. I think there was a certain certain level of fraternity that at some point has to grow deeper and explore deeper questions. And uh, that's why we're here. That's why we're talking about it. So we're here and we have this podcast and this is the first one and we have no idea what we're doing, but we're trying to tell people that they should listen. And we've been trying to tell ourselves that there is something deeper going on here. So I'm going to put on my teacher hat and say to our listeners, maybe there's three reasons why you should listen, three reasons what we're trying to do here. You could think of these as the pillars of the show that hopefully we'll try and communicate over the course of the show's lifetime, which hopefully is long. But first of all, the first pillar, we're, we're trying to put shovel to soil, which we'll, we'll come back to. We're trying to cultivate our own interior spiritual gardens. And number three, we're trying to re-enchant the culture, which sounds a little bit interesting and maybe an outmoded way of, of speaking. But those are our goals here. So let's start with number one, putting shovel to soil. 
getting in the dirt. For me, this is a little bit terrifying because I'm a bit of an amateur. How I'm getting into the soil right now is a honeymoon gift from you, Austin, a little grow lamp with an LED light that's sprouting out some greens that I put on an omelet every blue moon. That That's the extent of my getting in the dirt, putting shovel to soil. How about you guys? I know, Austin, you've traveled the world a little bit. What have you done to get in touch with the earth? Yeah, I think first it's it's going to be an interesting goal, taking something so physical and talking about it on a podcast. But I think that's one of the things that'll make this interesting is exploring kind of what that means in a digital format. So that'd be cool to talk about. But yeah, I, I think around 2016, I went on a little excursion or, you know, Middle East and Sub-Saharan Africa to Kenya and then over through Southern Europe to kind of work on different farms. <laughs> I think during during my time, I, I made soap. I like uh, worked on a lot of olive farms, pruning olive bushes, I helped cut some bananas. Um, so kind of a little bit of a different experience, um, by no means in a professional way, just just to kind of explore the world that way. And, and I think through that experience, I realized, you know, one of the truths, at least as I see it, is is there's something very cathartic at the very least of getting out, getting your hands dirty, and working with different people and different cultures, cultivating and and being part of nature. Whether it's making wine or it's cutting bananas, it's it has a similar pattern, a similar feel. And for you, Tyler, I mean, you grew up in Phoenix, in the middle of the desert. You're a big golfer, basketball player, sports. How have you come around to wanting to put shovel to soil? Was that a value of your families growing up? Yeah, as Austin was talking about his experiences across the world, I was thinking about a garden that was happening in my backyard about the same time with some kale, maybe one successful sunflower, lots of failed and killed plants. But I did make some kale chips and they were pretty good. So pretty pretty much an amateur when it comes to gardening, but looking forward to getting back into it. And I think just back to my childhood yes sports were emphasized we're living in the desert both my parents come from the midwest my dad specifically from ohio so just used to a a nice green lawn out in front of the house that was probably the the sole reason we had two lawns at our house in the middle of the desert lots of trees shrubs so lots of things to take care of and i think every saturday we were we were doing that growing up probably mostly to our dismay when we were younger especially but I, i do have some experience i guess in that way taking care of things and doing some hard work, right? Getting out on a Saturday morning, especially in the summer in Phoenix, it's super hot, you're sweaty, and making sure that you do your chores before you go out and do something else fun. So I appreciate that a lot more now as an adult, but I guess that would be probably my my novice experience as, as a child. Just one real quick point here. Isn't it incredibly disappointing how small kale chips become once you actually dehydrate them? I think that's maybe um, perhaps one of the saddest things. It's You get all this great kale and the yield is like three chips or like a, a quarter of a meal after a huge garden, a garden's bounty. It's, uh, it's just fascinating. Are there even vitamins in kale chips anymore or they've just been nuked out of them? Salt? Mm. salt uh sodium chloride has got to be some sort of vitamin somewhere Um, you are the salt of the earth that's how i think of my kale chips a lot of fiber but it's it's a fair point i mean it takes so long to grow kale to to put the seed in the ground to water it to make sure that the conditions are right and then we make it into kale chips and it's gone I think on this podcast, what we're trying to say is not everyone needs to quit their job and become a farmer immediately because 
that's not what we do. It's not what we're necessarily trying to do here. But there is a value of going through that process of taking on the responsibility to bring that kale to your mouth. We're, we're not trying to offer this utopic vision or be nostalgic of the Middle Ages. That's why life expectancy was, what, like 27? Who knows? I, I'm at the upper echelon of my life if we're, if we're back then. My family has a garden now, and I get constant picture updates. There's gopher problems. It, it was the end of August in Colorado, and it was 20 degrees at night. We lost, like, all of our tomatoes. Uh, my family did. We, the Paternos family would not survive on this, but there is a value. There is something noble in trying to go about it. So I think that's what we're trying to offer our listeners, and we'll walk with them through this, trying to figure out some practical ways that we can put shovel to soil to get into the dirt. Um, but that's just one of our pillars. Another pillar that we're, we're going after is the belief that getting out into nature, getting out into that created world actually does something for the soul as well. There is a deep connection between the physical world and the spiritual world. So how do you guys see this activity with our hands as connected to the spiritual life? Austin, what do you think here? Yeah, well, what's what's really interesting about this point is which comes first? Is it getting out into nature that, that cultivates the spiritual life? Or is it as your spiritual life kind of grows and develops, there's this sort of yearning to kind of get out in creation, kind of get out in God's first book, right? Which is, which is creation. I think back to like some of the famous early saints and and how, as they had their conversion stories, you know, St. Ignatius, St. Benedict, as they truly took on the faith, often they, they kind of isolated to some extent in nature. Now, sometimes it was brutally in like a cave or something like that. But then it manifested in kind of this this communion with nature. And so it'll be an interesting thing to explore whether, you know, which comes first. But needless to say, I think there is tremendous objective value in in being in nature and then seeing that manifest both in the spiritual life and then seeing the spiritual life manifest in in a person that's in nature. Well, we have to acknowledge that we are in 2020. We can't be in nature all the time. And it's just not practical. I mean, our jobs are online couple of us here are teachers. We're going to be looking at screens all day. So I'm curious what Tyler has to say. I mean, how do we, uh, it's not practical for us to isolate ourselves in nature. So how do we go about achieving this sort of balance where we're healthily in both worlds? Yeah. I mean, I work at a boarding school where we actually have quite a, quite an emphasis on the outdoors and we take kids, uh, teenagers, I teach at a high school on week-long backpacking trips at the beginning of end of year. So six days, five nights in the backcountry. And and I think we're trying to achieve a similar goal there when we're out there and, and realize that it wouldn't make sense for us to live out there or you spend the whole school year out there. But it's there's, there's a lot of benefits to um, being out there. But I think you need to come with perspective, right? There are certainly teenagers that go out there with me and with, with their teachers and they don't get a whole lot out of the experience because their their perspective isn't, isn't right. And maybe the... the formation of the structure of the trip isn't great. So I think as we're approaching the digital world in 2020 and, and, and looking into the future, it's not going to get any different. You just need to have those little moments like, right, like think of a whole school year and we're taking five days out of that year to reorient ourselves towards what's beautiful and what's true and, and relationships and such. And so I think, you know, if we're trying to take on little projects that break up the monotony of the digital space that 
is real, but isn't quite as real as we know to be true when we do get our hands in the soil. I think that will create the moments of, of spiritual renewal and the, the times when our soul is touched. It's interesting. You spoke about beauty and truth and we can labor towards those in the physical world. So again, that, that point one, putting shovel to soil. Point two, we can cultivate those by looking inward. There's got to be a cultivation happening inside our souls. There's more than meets the eye. But our third pillar is somewhat outward focused. So if we're looking inwards, cultivating that interior garden, we're also trying to help others, as you mentioned, Tyler, bringing those kids into the outdoors and whatnot. But the point of this podcast, too, is to reach the culture, to engage the culture. And the term that we're using, some people might think it's snobbish, but to re-enchant the culture. Austin, I know you've thought about this question a lot in terms of what it means to be enchanted with the world. How do we explain this to to someone who's never used this term before? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I think one of the things Christianity, traditional Christianity, poses as an answer to this question is kind of what we've we've been saying before, and it's so fitting that this this pillar is number three. There is a a great quote by, and it's kind of an anonymous monk, but essentially it goes, you know, as a young man, uh, the the monk wanted to change the world and he tried to change the world and he realized he couldn't. And then he wanted to change his town and he he tried to do that and realized he couldn't. And then his family and he realized, you know, he couldn't change his family. And so he he eventually was left with himself and he kind of works on himself to to some degree, makes himself holy or or seeks holiness. And by changing himself, he eventually changes his family and impacts his family and then changes his town. And then, you know, by changing the town, it changes the world. I think that's that's an interesting principle to to think about. That re-enchantment comes through first exploring that the the creation ourselves and, and getting out there and and then being that kind of light, that beacon that comes back excited, kind of filled with wonder and filled with um, that sort of giddiness of of a life that's full and big versus a life that's narrow and uh, kind of stifled. So you, you, we all see it in people in our lives, you know, like the, the, that kind of excited person or that, that person that's full of life. I think that's the enchantment we're missing in a lot of ways, especially behind screens and behind technology is that example, that that first Christian example of wow, are we enchanted? You know, can we ask, can we say like, are we living a full life? Are we fulfilled? And if not, that's the first step in, in reinvigorating the culture if that's if that's what we're seeking to do. Well, I, I'd like to add there, Austin, I mean, think about, and maybe this is a stretch in imagery, but we're talking about fertile soil. When I'm hearing you talk, Austin, it makes me think of cure personalis, right? It's this idea of, of wellness through mind, body, and spirit. It's all being integrated if you just think of our senses, right, and think of the 2020 culture, COVID landscape, we're all digital in some way. Nick and I are both teachers. Austin, you know, is doing other things digitally. What are we, what are we doing? We're, we're looking and we're hearing. That, that's about it basically all day. And what we're talking about is, no, engage the whole body. Engage your senses. Go outside and smell. Go outside and, and touch the soil. What, what does it feel like? And all that kind of stuff, that, that's the re-enchantment for me is, is an integration of of everything that we are, not just, you know, again, the the scene and the hearing. And making kale chips. <laughs> it's funny, you you mentioned just the the full senses, Tyler. You know, I run around a lake right next to our house and there's always this one guy 
who's out there seemingly every week. He's got this boombox and this microphone, and he's kind of rapping, singing, doing some freeform poetry, basically yelling into the microphone for anyone who has ears to listen. But one of the things that he's always talking about is like, barefoot revolution, man. Like, (laughs) don't be a zoo human. Take off your shoes and feel the earth. But there is, as crazy as this guy is, there's truth behind that in terms of, hey, slow down, unplug as you're walking around the lake, take off your shoes and feel the earth below you. I know that's super hippy dippy. But <laughs> feel the, guy's the, got feel the syringes and stuff like that too. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're in Seattle. So, I mean, we get stuff like this all the time. But a couple weeks ago, I went on a camping trip down near Mount Rainier, Mount Adams area. And we just spent one night lying out on a pier, staring up at the stars you know, this this was at a time in the summer where we realized that we were not going to be going back into school full-time, in-person, as everyone's accustomed to. And that was a great point of stress for me, to have this camping trip where, you know, I, I take a step back and look up at the stars made me realize, we've used this term before, but my, my creatureliness how small I was, how small my problems were compared to the vastness of creation. And it recenters you. It recenters you in realizing that you are not the center and that there is something beyond ourselves. Man, the, the number of times that I've looked up at the stars has got to be just like a few times a summer now. I, I spend more hours in front of a screen than I do looking up at the stars. I'm not saying I need to do that every single night, but there needs to be a balance because with that comes a recognition of who I am in the created order. And we're a part of it and we're supposed to take pleasure in it. There's a splendor to it that I think that's what we're trying to do is revisit Eden, not in, again, like we said, the nostalgic sort of way, but in 2020, how do we revisit Eden while still being somewhat normal, cool human beings? I think we can do it. I think it's possible. Well, I just have a quick story uh, that makes makes you think of like, yeah, again, why are we doing this? And what does it actually mean? Nick, you were talking about just kind of that that awe. And for me, this is this podcast is not about control, right? I think in 2020, we've just lost control of a lot of things. And it, this is not just like something that I'm trying to grasp to be like, okay, well, at least I have control over something. I, I'm building a raised bed garden outside my house uh, for the first time. And it's been a process a lot of work. But I was out there digging one morning and, and one of my colleagues walked by and made a comment to my wife later that, you know, he's probably doing this so that he can take control of something rather than having all his supervisors, administrators, whatnot, you know, governors, whoever it is taking control over what he can do in his profession. And I kind of felt like that was true. But at the same time, I have to realize that that's not it either. Like I'm not going to have control over everything that's going to be part of that project, right? Many of my plants are going to die before I'm successful. And if I have the delusion that like this is going to be my thing and I'm going to have control over it and everything's going to go the way I planned, I'm missing the whole point. I don't know. That's, that's something that I've thought about in the last few days. Austin, you've mentioned before this concept of mystery. I'd love to have you kind of revisit that for us. I mean, the process of planting and sowing seeds is is somewhat of a mystery. I mean, if you know the science, maybe we could parse it out. But how does mystery fit back into re-enchanting the culture? Yeah, I think an author, obviously, that we all 
enjoy G.K. Chesterton, the early 20th century British author. He talks about this concept of when we don't have mystery, our worlds become small. What he means by that is is, is if everything is kind of reductionary and understood or, or could be understood and, and to an atomic level, and we, and we try to parse out kind of the molecular nature and, and everything, and not that any of this is bad, but if, if that is our full understanding of reality, then it, then it actually makes the world really small in a way. Because what, it, what it's doing is it's saying that everything could be known, but the reality is there's, there's a lot of questions that are, that are unknown, that are mysteries. Um, and by, by exploring those mysteries and, and thinking about them and contemplating them, knowing that we full well probably won't ever have full answers to them, it actually kind of re-enchants us. It, it brings us to a larger world that where we are not the center operators. Again, it's, it's a very kind of Christian-centered idea. Not as much, you know, you know, especially with technology and things like that nowadays, it's, it's easy to think everything could be understood or touched or grasped or, you know, with Google, you know, looked up. But mystery is, is kind of that acceptance of the unknown, the sitting with it. And I think that there's a great, there's a great beauty in that. There's a great um, enchantment in that. Well, let's start to wrap this up. Obviously, there's so much more to come, so many more topics to cover, but one of the things that we're going to try and do for you listeners each week is to give you a tip from someone who's actually been in the dirt for most of her life, and she is a true expert, and she happens to be my wife's grandmother. This is Grammy McAllister coming to you from Edmonds, Washington, with a weekly gardening tip, so enjoy, and hopefully you can take some of these things and put them into practice. Welcome, everyone. My name is Sharon McAllister, but I am known in my family as Grammy. I hope to be your cheerleader for you to think about, plan, and plant some vegetables. When I was young, I spent a lot of time with my Grandma Lucy. She had fruit trees, berry bushes, chickens, and a large garden every year. I learned to enjoy many types of vegetables because of what she grew and prepared for us. I myself have had many types of gardens over the years in the three states that I've lived. Anything is possible with planning and a little effort. So first of all, you will need to find the growing zone you live in. This will help you know what you will be able to grow best in your area. I use the Gilmore Interactive Planting Zone map on the internet. I like this statement that they had. Let me read it to you. It says, you can adjust many things, such as the soil type, moisture levels, and amount of sunshine in your garden, but temperature can be hard to control. Choosing plants with hardiness levels appropriate to your specific planting zone give you the best chance of gardening success. Hey, that's what we want. So let's get started. You can do this. See you next time. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on week one of Eden Revisited. If you like this, stick around next week. We'll be talking about amateurism. If you're someone who's like, yeah, I kind of get what they're saying, but I have no idea where to start, 
we're right there with you. We're gonna kind of walk through why that's okay, why it's okay to sit through that discomfort and some little things that you can do to get started in terms of, hey, putting shovel to soil, cultivating that interior life and re-enchanting the culture along the way. We'll be back each week with a new episode. Please share with your friends and St. Isidore, patron saint of farmers. Pray for us. us. Pray for us. We're so Catholic. We know how this works. All right, guys. See you next week on Eden Revisited. Later. Woo!